intimate with His Spirit. And we all want that. So it sounds so spiritual to say we want the double portion of Elijah, right? Or if we could just get this kind of a thing. But man, Jesus Himself, it says the fullness of the Spirit was poured out on Jesus. With nothing was held back. The totality of God was poured out on this human man, Jesus. And then Jesus comes along and says, listen, there was no greater prophet born of a woman than John the Baptist, putting all the Old Testament prophets, of which we don't despise, of which we're thankful for, of which they testified of the Christ and the Spirit that would be poured out without measure. Which Spirit those guys did not have without measure. They did not have the indwelling Spirit. It was not poured out on them without any measure. And Jesus comes and says, John the Baptist is greater than all those guys. And John the Baptist is the least in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is talking about all us that would be filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. Because John the Baptist did not have the full measure of the Holy Spirit poured out on him. The Holy Spirit moved on him and brought forth in him the Spirit of the Son so he could be as one crying in the wilderness, preparing ye the way of the Lord, the one that would come, that would not baptize us in water, but would baptize us in the full measure of the Spirit. And so, listen, man, you've been baptized in the full measure of the Spirit. If you don't know if you've been baptized in the full measure of the Spirit, or if you're confused about what that means, you can see me after service, or you can see me during the week, and I will lay hands on you, and we'll just be sure, right? And it doesn't mean you don't have the Spirit if you don't know. You may have it and don't know. We'll just pray for you to know. Right? But God has not held back any of Himself. He hasn't held back any of Himself. All of Himself was poured out onto human flesh when Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. Now, none of that happened in the Old Testament. And as much as we revere Moses and Abraham and all those guys, and we love that they were in the earth declaring the Christ, that even when the world was trying to make them conformable to its system, they considered themselves strangers in a strange land. It says Moses considered the reproaches of being a child of God to be more honorable than the riches he could have from Egypt. He looked at the glory the Father could bestow upon him. He looked at the riches that was the eternal life of God, and then he looked at the riches he could have from Egypt, which was the riches of the world, and he said, I'd rather suffer reproach in this world for the riches, the true riches, that is the glory of God himself. And so we revere those guys, and we love those guys, and we see them testifying of the Christ. But guys, they did not have the full measure of the Spirit, and you do. Amen. So we ain't trying to do an Elijah study to figure out how we can get the mantle of Elijah. Or how we can get the portion of Elijah. If we want to do an Elijah study, we want to do the study looking for the spirit of the Son. Or looking for the spirit of the Christ. Because that's what Elijah was testifying of. We want to look for that Mm -hmm. if we want to do an Elijah study. We don't want to look at, look how powerful this man was and how can we gain his power. Listen, man, we're not seeking power. We're not seeking experiences. Right. We're not seeking riches from the world. We're not seeking the peace that the world has to offer. We're not seeking that. We're seeking Jesus. (coughs) Because everything that is pertaining to having life and God-likeness is contained in Jesus. And any good thing that could happen in us, any manifestation of life, any manifestation of the spirit of life, is going to come from us seeking Jesus, not from us seeking an experience. Right? We're not seeking to get into the third heaven. We're seeking Jesus. 
and should the Father, through our fellowship with Him, through Jesus, bring forth something in us where we can see a vision? Glory to God. But we ain't seeking the vision. Because life is not contained in the vision. Life is not contained in getting into the third heaven. Life is not contained in the power. When the disciples came and marveled, I mean, carnal humans marvel when they see power. Amen. <laughs> we marvel when we think we see something supernatural. There's a reason why we do. Because we're the God kind. And we know there's something more than that just what looks like this world. Right? And that's why we're easily deceived, right? But when the disciples came back to Jesus, they were like, look at what we can do. Isn't it magnificent? Look at all this power that we have. Look at all the authority that we have. Jesus said, I hear what you're saying, and that sounds like the same thing that was going on in the serpent when he fell from heaven. Yes. Mm. <laughs> he didn't say it's evil to bind the death and the sin that's in the earth through the decoration of the life. But what he said is, listen man, the thing that we're excited about, the thing that is so cool about what you see is that your names have been written in the book of life. Amen. And everything that you see going on there is just to witness that there's a life that overcomes death and decay and corruption and weakness. There's a life that overcomes the weakness in our flesh. There's a life that's greater than the weakness we can see in our flesh and the weakness we can see in this world. And when we see those things in this world, our hearts are filled with that life. We declare that life and then that life can bind the destruction in this world. It can bind it in our hearts and bind it in the hearts of the people. But we seek Jesus. We don't seek the power. Right. We don't seek the manifestation. That's how you get tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We seek Jesus. We see that everything we could ever desire, that we could ever want, that could ever feed us with anything that we want is contained in Christ. There is nothing outside of the Christ. And so, if you don't know how that fits with the things that you need, you know your starting place. If when you hear me say that everything you need is contained in the Christ, you feel kind of like this, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how I felt. What are you talking about, Lord? How can that be? I need X, Y, da, 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 da. I'm running down all these things. How am I going to get all that into Christ? And just tell God and be honest. You know what he'll do? He'll start ministering to you. He'll start showing you. He'll start showing you what you're really after. He'll start showing you where, why it's found in Christ. And you'll find a tremendous revelation manifest in your heart where you feel contentment. And I know contentment's like a, a sin. That's like a, an evil word. Right? What do you mean we'll be content? Does that mean we won't do anything? Does that mean we won't feel, be, be filled with passion? No, that's what the carnal mind thinks. I must now make myself not do anything. No, no, no. Contentment is something that happens from the inside out. And it doesn't result in less doing. But as Paul said, I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God. The power to actually attack the life you want to attack is found in contentment being in your heart. Exactly. And that is contrary to the wisdom of the world. And that's contrary to so much that's taught in the church. You gotta hunger. You gotta be hungry. Stay hungry. And if you don't stay hungry, where are you gonna be? Well, Jesus said, You those who believe on me will no longer hunger or thirst. <laughs> you think Jesus was like, we gotta stay hungry. You think Jesus was like, we gotta thirst. Jesus said his cup runneth over when he was nailed to a tree. Now, who do you think accomplished more in this earth? Let's, let's, let's combine everybody that ever lived in the earth. Let's pile everything they've ever done into one pile. Who did more, Jesus or them? You see what I'm saying? Yes. 
right? And so we're easily tossed to and fro in our beliefs. Not just our thoughts about God. We'll just use this word. Allow me this word. Our philosophies about life. Yes. We're easily tossed to and fro in our philosophies about life mm-hmm. when we don't see everything we desire is contained in Christ. Everything. Mm-hmm. And that everything we desire that's contained in Christ has been given to us freely by the Father of lights. Right? Because if we don't think everything we desire is contained in Christ, we're going to think it's contained in other things and in other thoughts and in other beliefs. And then next thing you know, we're going to be busy with those beliefs. And we're going to be busy with those thoughts. And we're going to be busy with all these different kinds of things, all the time searching for the life we long for. Never, always learning, as the scripture would say, ever learning, but never coming to have intimacy with the word of truth that the Father begat us again unto an incorruptible life by his own doing, not by your doing, not even by your desire. I don't even think humans knew they could be begotten to an incorruptible life. I don't even think humans knew what the resurrection was until Jesus stands on the Mount of Transfiguration. The very glory of the Lord shines in him. This is the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Immortality manifesting in your flesh. Right. Right? Yes. Everything that is good that God experiences, that comes out of God, is the fruit of his life. Do you think you need something more than what God has in this world? Do you, think, do you suppose if you had what God had in this world, would that be enough yeah. for you to do what you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Would that be enough? Listen, that might be enough for you to even walk on the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Transcend the storms of this world. Transcend the confusion that's in this world. Transcend the darkness that's in this world and live above it. Yeah. Right? Right. And so everything good that comes out of God, everything good that is God, everything that pours out of God that makes things crooked straight, that brings forth order out of chaos, it all comes from the life that he has in himself. Yes. And so where do you think you're going to find all those nutrients? In the life that he's given us, in Jesus. Mm. Just like Jesus said, in the, the Father has life in himself. Right. And he has given that the life he has in himself, I would also have in myself. Right. That I might be able to give it to you. Yes. Right? And when you, when, you, when you become persuaded, no, 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 everything is in Jesus. That's where you start going. Your doctrine becomes the doctrine that God said he would drop like the dew. Your philosophy, if you want to call it that, won't be vain. It won't be the philosophies of man or the philosophies of this world, but it'll be the doctrine that dropped like dew in the man Jesus. And you won't be tossed all over the place. With all these different thoughts and all these different beliefs, trying to gain what you think you don't have, that God has freely given you in His Son. (laughs) Right? And that's the foundation for being tossed to and fro. You think you need to gain something. But the Father has gained it. And He's given it to you. I'm going to butcher this example. It's like the example Bertie told. Hey man, there's a billion dollars in this bank account over the ocean. And whoever can swim there and back can have the billion dollars. And so you got people just swimming back and forth all the time, swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming, wanting that billion dollars, wanting the riches. And then there's Jesus standing on the beach. He's already got it. And he's holding his hand. He's busy trying to tell the people, here, no, 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 no. I'm busy swimming back and forth. (laughs) But everything you're trying to get by swimming back and forth is right here. That's right. You see? 
And so we get tossed to and fro, okay. chasing this, chasing that, chasing all the while trying to find the peace and the, the, the grace and the strength that is only found in Christ. If we think we have strength, and we do have some strength, we're in the image of God. If we think that our strength can get things done, then how much greater the very strength of God should our lives be animated by that? So what's going to animate our lives with the strength of God? Jesus? I mean, listen, I haven't slept in like four weeks. And I normally don't get upset when I don't sleep. My shoulder's torn or something, and so I can't sleep the way that I sleep. And so I, I can't sleep. I'm in pain. I can't sleep. And normally it doesn't upset me. I just feel tired. Well, last night it was upsetting me because I have to preach today. And I can see my brain like, what? What are we saying? What, is, what are we talking about? And so I started getting aggravated last night at like 12 o'clock, like angry. Not at God, just angry. Cranky, upset. And all of a sudden, I just found myself stopping. And I started talking with God about how the rest that I need is in Jesus. And that the power behind this body is Jesus and not whether I sleep or not. And I disconnected from thinking about all the sleep that I needed. And before I disconnected from all the sleep that I needed, my mind was running through all the different ways that I might be able to get the sleep that I need. All the different drugs I might be able to take. All the different doctors I might be able to see. All the different things I might be doing that's preventing me from getting to sleep. You see, I was about to be tossed to and fro. Right. But I just stopped and I started praying with God about his life is not, that his life is not at the mercy of the weakness of this body and the weakness that was manifesting in my body. And it's not that I don't ever want to sleep again. Right? Don't misunderstand me. And it's not that it's evil to sleep. Sleep is good. But there's something in God that could give me what I need. What I need was sleep and rest. And God was able to give me that through Jesus, even if I wasn't getting what I need in the world. And so I started connecting with God. Do I look tired? I look like I have more energy than probably everybody out there, don't I? I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's just an example. So allow me a foolish example, a worldly example. But don't try to like turn that into some literal thing where you never take a vitamin or something. Right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. Or where you just decide, oh, I'm never going to take medication ever again. That's not what I'm saying. Don't let the carnal mind try to find a principle to work. I'm just describing a dynamic where everything we need is actually contained in Jesus. Yes. Right? Yes. And we can find it there. And what can happen when we see that and we start connecting with that, right? And then out of my desire being satisfied in Jesus, I might then all of a sudden get some wisdom about how to deal with the fact that I'm not sleepy. <laughs> Do you see? Because I look to God to be satisfied instead of looking to the world. And now, since lust hadn't been conceived in my heart, I can dwell in the wisdom of God. And He can come and speak to me. He can come and put me to rest. He can cause this body to chill. Right? Do you guys see that? Yeah. And that's what leaves us tossed to and fro where we get confused about where the life we want is found. And then we're easily swept aside by any belief that comes and tells us how we can get what we think life is found in. And then we're all over with that. Right? Instead of, no, 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 no. Everything 
is contained in Christ. And what God has done by his own doing, when he begat us through the word of truth unto an incorruptible certainty, a certainty of life. And as we feed on that bread of life, as Jesus said, I am the true bread from heaven. Yes. And everyone who eats of me will not hunger again. Right. You start finding your hunger. That's your lust for life or your desire for life. There's nothing wrong with desire. We were made to have a desire for life. The desire is not wrong. It's not that we're trying to get the desire gone. It's, trying, it's that we're trying to mix our desire for life with the faith that came in Jesus. Because that's where the substance of everything we desire is contained. And if we don't mix our desire with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, it's going to give birth to lust in our hearts. And we're going to start lusting after life through different things, different ideas, different beliefs, different doctrines. And we'll be tossed. Boop, 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 boop. We'll say silly things. Do you know when we were in the Word of Faith Church, do you know we actually were so corrupted in our thinking about God that we would actually tell people if they had miscarriages, it must be because they weren't giving 10%. Oh, gosh. Because if there's a scripture that sounds like if you give God your first fruits, then your fruit will not drop. Oh, no. We actually taught that in the church. I wasn't teaching them, but I sat in churches that taught that. And they would teach any lady that was pregnant, be sure your husband is giving the money lest your fruit drop. My goodness. Do you see how corrupt that sounds? Yes. Doesn't sound like sound, a loving God corrupt. to me. It just doesn't sound corrupt. It is corrupt. No, but what I mean is, you're right, it is corrupt. But the point is, we were so confused at where life was found and what God had given us in Jesus that that made sense to us. And so guys, listen man, when we don't find our desire for life being mixed with what God's done in Jesus, we'll be blind to where life is found. We'll be blind to what has life in itself and what doesn't. And things that are clearly corrupt will not look so corrupt. They'll actually look like it's good for food. It'll look like, yes, that can feed me with the life that I need. Right? If I give God my first fruit, my best, then that means God will keep me from my fruit dropping. But now if we start to see what the Scripture saith, the whole point of the first fruit was that it gave a certainty of a harvest. Right. And so Jesus is our first fruit, the firstborn from the dead. Mm-hmm. And now, in that He was raised from the dead by the Father, that that's a certainty that there'll be many more raised from the dead. That's us. Right? And so God's fruit won't drop. And the fruit of the Spirit won't drop from us because we'll have been raised up from dead and the dead and set free from the bondage of the serpent. Right. And our hearts will be cleansed from fear right. and we'll be like a tree planted by the waters of life and we'll find our branches bearing the fruit of God's life instead of our branches dropping His fruit. Wow. <laughs> yes. You see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, see how you, <laughs> you see how you really interpret it? You see the interpretation that comes from lack and what you need to do to gain, and you see the interpretation that comes from abundance. Yes. Right. I hope that makes some sense. And I'm going to hammer that again in there about discerning of doctrines and how we can find our hearts kept. And a doctrine, a doctrine is not just something pertaining to God, although it is that also. A doctrine is any belief that you could have about anything. Where? Has your belief about anything come from? Where has it come from? Has it come from above? Or has it come from below? Right? 
And so, man, it isn't just that it will keep your heart from erroneous doctrines about God, but it'll keep your heart from erroneous doctrines in the world about all sorts of things, any number of things, any number of things. It will keep you stable. You won't be unstable. You'll be filled with stability. And you won't be tossed to and fro by all the different things the world says. Right? About all the different ways. Yeah. And all the different corrupt things that are happening. Maurice, you got something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say. This is really applicable to what's going on with me right now. So last night, my niece's husband, who is a Presbyterian minister, posted this thing on Facebook. Okay, And it's from De uh, Reverend Jackie Lewis. Okay, And it says... If critical race theory threatens your Christianity, you may be worshiping your whiteness. Oh my goodness gracious. He posted this. And and I responded to it. And I responded to it. I would say I don't know how to say this. I asked him, what is critical race theory? That's what I said. Yeah, and he sent question. me, he sent me this, he didn't say what critical race theory was, in his opinion, or what his perception of it is. He sent me something from CNN, what is critical race theory? Oh, yeah. So I said, thanks, Matt. And I said, I, but I tell you, anything that draws distinction between races, uh, if the theory we're, we're discussing is that I'm against. If you just draw, draw distinctions between between rights, and I, I share some things with him, and then he gets he comes back to me and shares some things, and he is trying to suck me in. And, and I shared some other things of a spiritual nature, okay, but he's trying to suck me in to this this argument, he's trying to convince me of, you know, critical race theory is good to teach to the children and everything. And this is a battle. Not to get sucked into an argument about these this poli these political ideas mm -hmm. and concepts. Yeah. And I appreciate what you're sharing because it's it's helping me to know how to respond to this yeah. because I have opinions about those things. Of course you do. And I really have. That? <laughs> oh, he's like, not going to keep them to He's like me. He's like me. I have opinions of what the way I don't believe in critical race theory. I don't believe this country is racist in uh, in, in its to its core and all of this stuff. I don't believe that. But to be drawn into that argument is to join the very systems exactly. that Jesus came and exactly. said, these systems are coming to naught. Yep. They, they have no power to do anything. Yep. They cannot raise the dead. They cannot raise you. They cannot bring unity between people. 
And even if I am, am right in the way I see this thing, you know, socially or politically, even if I'm right about that, going <laughs> into that argument, I'm telling you, it's a mistake on my part. I, I, I just feel that 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 there is an there is a, a spiritual answer to life, yep. and Jesus come and did not join some kind of political cause. He came to share and give his life to us. Yes. And if I when, if I, if I join into that, if I don't love it, it's a mistake. No, so listen, I'm in the process of emailing him back, joining the argument to some degree, and I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, okay, I deleted everything I said. <laughs> it's like... Oh move move to the side whether or not you agree with critical race theory. Move that to the side. Yeah. That's the wrong argument, like like really? Rick pointed out. And engaging in that is to engage in the darkness That's and right. to reason about the darkness. Yes. Let me get in the darkness to, uh, to uh, bring light into the darkness by means of darkness. That's right. You understand what I'm saying? No, it's okay to enter into the darkness. Yeah. We, we, there's darkness around us. But we don't overcome the darkness with some other form of darkness. With some other worldly declaration. Right. Right? right? Like if you don't agree that America is a racist country, arguing that point is arguing from the foundation of the darkness also. Yeah. Right? That's not the yeah. argument Jesus would make. That's so right. that is also doing the same thing they're doing. Mm -hmm. The whole world is in darkness. That's right. And so moving all <laughs> it's that... It's not like the conservatives are in the light. <laughs> Let's just move that to the side now, whether yeah, you believe, agree with the critical race theory or not. It, it fits perfectly to what we're talking about. Yeah. Critical race theory, that <clears throat> belief or philosophy is born from not understanding the good you desire is only found in Jesus. Right. And so you sit with the desire for something good. You sit with a desire for equality. You sit with the desire for uh, restoration. You sit with the desire for justice. But then you don't mix your desire with the faith that came in Jesus. And so now, because you don't mix your desire with the faith that came in Jesus, you come up with your own faith. That's going to now bring about all those things. And whenever you come up with your own faith that is trying to bring about what only the Lord Jesus can bring about, your doctrine is going to be the complete antithesis or anti-Christ. That's right. When Jesus came to bring peace between the Jews and the Gentiles, did he come and point out that they were Jewish and Gentiles after the flesh? No. It says the way he tore down the wall of enmity was he came and said there's no more Jew and there's no more Gentile. He came and tore down the wisdom that was of the world that defined people by their flesh. He came and said to judge people according to their flesh is devilish. It's carnal. And it will not produce unity. It will not serve justice. It will not satisfy the desire you have in your life. But in fact, it will bring forth more thorns and thistles. It can only produce hatred. Right. Yeah. And so the whole message of Jesus. It's that we no longer know each other after the flesh. Right. Paul come and said, I know no person according to the flesh. Because if one died for all, then that means all were dead. Everyone needed life. Everyone. So that means there's no difference between Jew or Gentile. And so I'm not going to look at someone according to being Jewish. And I'm not going to judge their life. And I'm not going to judge who they are or what's happened based on that. Neither am I going to look at a Gentile and judge it that way. You can't have unity that way. 
The only way you can have unity is by finding the report of every human's life in the face of Jesus. Every human in the face of Jesus. So if you're busy thinking about all the great suffering you've experienced, and you find yourself comparing yourself amongst others, and think that the suffering you've experienced is much greater than the suffering they've experienced, you ain't thinking like God. Because God come and said, let me tell all you humans about the suffering that each one of you have gone through. I'll show you what each one of you have gone through. And then you see Jesus nailed to a tree. So if you want to know about the suffering that other people have encountered, look at Jesus. And if you want them to know the suffering that you've encountered, look at Jesus. You know how that brings you together? Because you both can identify with each other. And you can both see we're the same. We're in a world filled with injustice. And we've all suffered the injustice of death. And the death has manifested differently in different parts of our lives. But it's the same death that's nailed all of us to a tree. They're the same as me. Right? You ever notice how you feel compassion for people that you think suffered like you? Yes. You ever notice how you feel a bond? Yes. You feel a closeness. The moment you come telling people they don't know, you're talking like the devil. And you're comparing yourself amongst yourselves instead of comparing yourself amongst the Lord Jesus. And you're finding the testimony of your life from the world instead of the Lord Jesus. God, Jesus is God discerning our lives. And not just white people's lives or black people's lives or orange people's lives or brown people's lives or yellow people's lives. It's God discerning all people's lives. And he used one man to discern everyone's life. Right? What humans struggle to do is submit our opinions about our own lives and the lives of others unto God's opinion. Right? God came and gave humanity a word of wisdom. He came and gave humanity a word of knowledge through Jesus. Right? And that causes you to be able to dwell with people in peace. The word peace in the Greek means to be joined together, actually. To be set at one. Mm -hmm. That's what it means in the Greek. Mm -hmm. And so thus making two, thus making peace, between the two. Listen, guys, as much as we think there's racial tension in America, I promise you ain't nothing compared to the tension that was going on between Jews and Gentiles for centuries. For centuries. And so one of the biggest points Paul makes is how God tore down the enmity that existed between the two, thus making peace between the two. Peace doesn't mean, oh, we wave the white flag. You could say it that way, that that's the fruit that they're not hostile towards one another, but the peace he's talking about is he set them at one. He helped them to see each other in the other one's face. Go and read the beginning of Romans. Paul spends five chapters talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles are the same. They're the same. You think because you were given the law that you're different than them? Those who had the law written on their hearts? Their conscience all the while either excusing or accusing, just like the law did? You think just because you received what had happened to the conscience when sin and death entered into the world, that they're not the same as you? You who make your boast in the law, do you follow the law? Mm. Do you hear what the law says? You that condemn those who don't have the law. He makes the whole argument they're the same. Thus setting them at one. You can only become one when you find the testimony of your life in Jesus. Humans can only become one when they see the testimony of every human's life has been revealed in Jesus. They cannot become one by trying to define each other according to the world system. Can't happen. That will create more enmity, more hatred. And that's what we see. And so the argument, you don't want to get in the world of the argument about 
critical race theory. I mean, you can do it if you like to argue, but that won't bring forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness either. Like Maurice said, that's using the serpent's wisdom to argue. Yes. Right? And if you notice, Jesus did a lot of things when they came to him with arguments. You notice how he didn't really engage with them from the foundation they wanted to engage from? He said something that was way above and he walked on. Go and learn what it means, blah, 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 and he walked on. Go and learn what it means if there's no more Jew or Gentile. And he walked on. Go and learn what it means that there's no more male and female. Right. What else do you see our society doing today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That doesn't mean there's no more a man having, you know, as far as gender or a woman having gender. It means we don't judge each other and our value and our worth by those things. And we don't seek to separate ourselves up amongst those things. We know ourselves as the children of God, male or female. Right, And we see that the justice we all long for is contained in God, male or female. We see whether male or female, everything you need that pertains to life and God-likeness is found in Christ, not in the world. Not in the world. Man, it's trying to be justified by the world. You can't be justified by the world. You can't find justice in the world. The world doesn't have that to give you. Right? When you're grounded in the things we're talking about, Christ and Him crucified... You'll easily be able to discern these wisdoms because you'll see these wisdoms all point to how you can get these things from the world or from the strength of the flesh. That is the flesh trying to perfect the life they have in the world. And the flesh cannot perfect the life it has in the world. The flesh, even the law couldn't perfect the life the flesh had in the world. Paul come and said, listen, man, what the law couldn't do, it could never overcome death in the flesh and it could never overcome the death in the world. God has done in Christ. And so I promise you, your own strength, humans' own strength, humans' much wise uh, doctrines and beliefs and philosophies, take all the Plato's and Aristotle's and all the academics that have formulated these theories and those theories, pile them all up in one, man. Those things can't give you anything. They can't bring forth anything good. They're earthy. As James would say, they're devilish. Devilish. He would say, and then you know what he would go on to say? Cleanse ye your hands, ye sinners. Cleanse ye your hands, ye sinners. Now what is he saying? Is he saying stop behaving poorly? No, no, no. Stop making the strength in your own hand the food that can give you life. Stop thinking that you can bring forth the justice you long for. Stop thinking you can manipulate the world to bring forth the life you long for. Stop thinking that you can enlist this strength to bring forth the equality you long for. The only equality there is for anyone is contained in God having given all people the gift of faith. Right. That's the equality that God has given everyone. That's the only equality for anybody. And the world system wants to always get us to look at ourselves and then look at the person next to us and think if we've got it like them. What's what? Right? But listen, man. James comes and says, let the brother of low degree rejoice that he's been made exalted in Jesus. And let the brother of high degree result that he's been made low in Jesus. Because the true riches are not contained in how it's gone for you in the world. The true riches are contained in the faith that came in Jesus. And God hath given that to every person, whether Jew or Gentile, or from Africa, or from America, or from Sweden, or from Switzerland, or from Indonesia, or from Thailand, or from Asia, or from any continent. He hath given all of us equally the full measure of the Spirit. 
right? And so now any type of idea that comes and tells me how I can find restoration or rectification through anything other than that, immediately my heart says, it's nonsense. It's from the devil. It can't give me anything. So it's not that my political argument, because I think it's right, can give me what I want. No, my political argument can't give me what I want either. Do you see? Yes. That's why I was saved through this whole political argument, this whole political climate, all the people. Because immediately I could see, well, I mean, let's say I get everything that I think is politically expedient for this country. Can it give me what I want? Nope. Nope. Okay, so I'm not going to be tossed to and fro by these doctrines that says the power and the godliness is having the proper government and the proper laws. Neither can I be tossed to and fro by the doctrines that says the power to have liberty is contained in having the proper government or the proper laws. Neither can I be tossed to and fro by the idea that the power for the gospel to go forth in the earth is having the proper government or the proper laws. That's nonsense. Yes. Right? And instead, I'm busy with the only thing that can actually give all of that. Do you think Paul thought he was in bondage when he was incarcerated? No. no. Why not? Because he didn't think liberty was found in whether he was in jail or not. Right. <laughs> Do you think Rome was an upstanding society and government? <laughs> no. <laughs> How many of Paul's letters do you see him trashing the government of Rome? Do you think he didn't think the government of Rome was corrupt? Of course he thought it was. He knew it was corrupt. Any government of this world can't help but be corrupt because it's built on this world. Yes. And so Paul's like, like Maurice said, the wisdom not to engage in the darkness from the darkness. So of course Paul thought Rome was corrupt, but he didn't spend his time writing about the corruptness of Rome. Because, well, whether Rome corrupt or not, that's got nothing to do with whether I can have liberty. So I'm not going to fight the corrupt Rome. That's not what I'm fighting against. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Paul said, I was in prison, and that was the world waging its ultimate warfare against me, trying to take me captive to bringing forth liberty and justice myself. And I fought the good fight of faith. I ran my course. I never left the faith. I realized liberty wasn't found whether I was behind bars or not. It was found in the Lord Jesus delivering me from this body of death. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? In Galatians 5, Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Amen. That's exactly Everything it. is bondage except for Christ. And the world is all the time trying to entangle us again in the yoke of bondage. You know what the yoke of bondage was? We desire justice. We desire peace. We desire life. And now we're going to use our own ability to try to bring it forth. Yep. That's the yoke of bondage. That's the yoke of bondage. And we're set free from the yoke of bondage by saying... I desire justice, and now I mix that desire with, oh, I see the Lord Jesus has served me with the justice I long for, for he has conquered this body of death. And I have a certainty that I will be glorified immortal, even should this flesh rot off my bones. God will raise me from the dead, and I will stand before my God in glorified immortal flesh on this earth that's been glorified. Listen, listen to this. There's a guy living in a grass hut in Africa with a mud floor who is as happy as I am. Oh, yeah. At, maybe happier than I am. Maybe happier. I don't know. He doesn't have to mow but, his lawn. And I live <laughs> on West Honors Point in a he beautiful house. But guess what? That guy is as happy as I am. 
Yeah, well, we know that he's not busy ha having to have political arguments That's with right. family members. <laughs> You're right about that. He ain't got nothing to argue about. But the guy that's happy, he's, ha he's happy because he knows, no. he that's, knows the truth. That's just it. They don't have the internet. Birdie, I'll say it. I mean, I, I say it like a Southern guy, but I think it's Batterty. If you said it like they would say it, Batterty. I mean, he's off in Zambia. And uh, he was calling me from Zambia on video chat. And I'm like, how are you calling me from Zambia, dude? Way out in the bush. He's always the strangest thing, Greg. None of these guys have internet or cell phones, but they got cell towers. He said, so I get all the bandwidth. He said, but it's the most interesting thing. He said, because none of these people even know there is such thing as Joe Biden. None of these people know there is such a thing as Donald Trump. None of these people know there is such a thing as you must wear a mask. None of these people know anything about any of that. And so they're not caught up in the strife. It's peaceful. If you're fighting not to wear a mask because you think you don't want to wear a mask, it's okay to not want to wear a mask, but that's still strife. And you're fighting the darkness with the darkness. Right. Right? Mm. And we shouldn't feel condemned about that. Listen, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't like wearing the mask. I hate the mask. It's okay to feel that you hate the mask. But if you've been lured into a fight about the mask, that's right. you just want to... Wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Am I being tossed to and fro right now? Yeah. Have I become dumbbell-binded? Is it making me unstable? You know one of the, the key ways you know you feel unstable? You feel aggravated and frustrated. That's one of the key indicators that you've gotten lured into some strife. And there's no shame for us if we get lured into the strife. The gospel isn't about how we're going to try to work the gospel so we never get lured into strife. The gospel is when we find ourselves lured into the strife, let us be reminded of the word of truth. And let us be reminded of the perfect law of liberty, which that God hath rescued us from the thing in this world that we're busy hating right now. And he's gotten it right to rescue us from it and to hide our lives with himself in Christ. And let us now see that this thing we're encountering, we're desiring peace in this thing we're encountering. And we think the peace is found on the other end of fighting our way to a victory. But the peace we're longing for is actually found in what God's done in Jesus. Yes. Right? Right. right. Mm -hmm. Kathy. What you said reminded me of something I heard. A newspaper reporter or some reporter was asked an Amish person, why don't you... Um, why aren't the Amish affected by the COVID-19 virus? And the man said, because we don't have a television. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There was a guy, there was a guy at work, there's a guy at work that some people think he's taking advantage of the system. So there was a guy that asked me the other day at lunch, he's like, do you think this guy's taking advantage of the system? Like, I mean, tell me, he's in the military, like, tell me he's taking advantage of the system. And I sat there because I knew that he wanted me to, like, he wanted me on his side, you know, not the guy taking advantage of the system. <clears throat> and I don't know if it was the right way to go about it, but I just said, if the guy's taking advantage of the system or not, how does that affect you? Like, what does it have to do with you? Like, if he is, okay. If he isn't, what does it have to do with you? Like, what's... He's like, well, I mean, I wasn't saying it like that. I was just... <laughs> like, I was like, I mean, if he is or he isn't, like, what does it have to do with you? And he starts like, well, I mean... Tell me, and I just was like, look, man, I'm, he's in his own world. I'm in my world. What he decides to do with his life and how he wants to handle business in, in, his, in his careers, that's on him. Don't, I'm, I'm not involved in that conversation. To, to your point, I was in a conversation with a person earlier this week, and they said something. I said, you know, that's funny. This appears to be a conversation, but actually what's going on under the hood is just sowing division. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 it definitely was. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... And they were like, oh, well, we don't really... It's not like we're, we don't like this person. I'm like, I mean, you're, you're leading towards... You want me to be on your side, you know? It's like... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not get, just like uh, Maurice. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get involved in that 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 conversation because I know exactly where it's going. There's no life in it. What's yeah, the value? Is, yeah, there is nothing. No, you said that perfectly. What if, what if, what if he is? So yeah, what? Like, there's a rash of this going on because yesterday I, had, I was in strife. I was what you described up to here with it, and the group I was talking with, they were all a bunch of fruit inspectors. They were all looking at well. If, if you're not bearing the fruit of righteousness, if you're not showing your Christian walk, then, yeah. you know, all these things are going to happen. And I thought, so what? Yeah. Why does that, what does that impact you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same I, I, uh, and I, I mean, I know this is probably, like, really bad, but it was uh, during, um, like, Good Friday, you couldn't have meat, or, yeah, you couldn't have meat, you only could have fish and stuff, and... Obviously, I don't think this is probably the right way to say it, but I just told some person was like, some person was like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. I told, and I said to this person, I said, I said, dude, if you say you slip up and you go have your your fancy steak on a Friday, and you and you're just like you're eating, and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. You know, God's not gonna go. When you're at the sitting at the uh, the gates of heaven and he's welcoming you, he's not going to say, "Well, hold on a minute here. You had this uh, you had this steak on Friday the 12th at 7 p.m. at da 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 da. You know this ain't going to work out. Uh, we're not going to welcome you in here. Uh, just try again uh, next year. Like that's not how this works. Like it, he loves you whether you eat the steak or you don't eat the steak. He loves you whether you eat the fish or you don't eat the fish or he doesn't care he just you love him that's great he loves you that's great that's all that matters yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter what you do or you don't do do you love god do you think that god's your everything that you need in life well yeah okay then eat whatever you want to eat man (laughs) (laughs) which is what god would say call nothing unclean that i have cleansed that's right Right? because no one would have had a, a bigger problem dietarily than jewish guys I mean, they had a long list of dietary laws that actually weren't about what you ate or didn't eat. It was actually about the filthiness that comes from the flesh, which is death. And it was about being kept clean from death. Well, now that God cleansed us from death in Jesus, that's the filthiness of the flesh. And I'm using that word not because I think our flesh is filthy. I'm using that word because that's the word the Bible uses. And we are in a Bible study. Right, And so the filthiness of the flesh isn't that it's evil to have flesh or that your flesh is ugly to God. It's that the flesh had gotten it right or sin had gotten it right to manifest death in the flesh. And so the filthiness of the flesh is that it's dying. And because it's dying, it's producing the fruit of death. And so God come and cleansed us from death. Once he cleansed us from death, once for all time in Jesus, that's how sanctification happens, not by what you eat or don't eat, not by whether you avoid the birds of prey. Do you know why you avoided the birds of prey? Because they ate flesh. Right. Do you know what eating flesh was a sign of? Trusting in the strength of the flesh. Oh, Right? Do you know why they avoided the, the crustaceans and stuff? Because they were bottom dwellers, unclean. Right? It's like leprosy is pointing to the uncleanness that come upon us through death. Right. That's what it means to be clean and unclean. Well, God cleanses us from death. That's why Hebrews goes on and on about we've been perfected. 
We've been sanctified once for all time by the blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus means Jesus' blood was shed because he took our death upon himself, right. thus cleansing us from death. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, you, you answered those things very well. And that, that's exactly what it is. What are we weighing here? Mm-hmm. Right? What are we thinking about? Right. And it, it's, it's, real, right. it's real simple. Cannot eating meat raise you out of the grave? Nope. Cannot eating meat cause you to receive the Holy Spirit? No. Okay. Because those two things are inter- interconnected. Sure. But you can do that with everything. Mm-hmm. You can do that with every thought that comes to you that tries to tell you it can give you peace. You, you can weigh that. You could say, well, can it glorify my body with immortality? Can I receive the Holy Spirit by doing that? Then neither can I receive the nutrients of life from that. Right? Right? Does, it, does that make sense? And that's the point Paul made to the Galatians who had a desire for justification, but they thought justification was found in the strength of the flesh. Yeah. And so they were working their flesh to try to justify themselves with a, a life that was right. Well, Paul says, well, let me, let, let's break it down. This is only what I ask you. Received you the Holy Spirit by performing the works of the law or by hearing the faith? Right. Okay. Then everything you'll receive from God is contained in the faith. That came in Jesus, right? You know, I was thinking about the idea of you know, they say you need to receive Jesus, okay? And I was thinking, how does a person receive Jesus? And the truth is, we don't really receive Jesus. We, he received us at the cross, and. The way we become possessors of Jesus is through believing on what he has done for us. Mm -hmm. It's not some kind of uh, thing that you do, receive Jesus, that gives you Jesus. It's believing on the fact that he took away your sins at the cross and gave you his eternal life. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's a little, little, that's a nuance. No, it's, it's not I'm a little, it's, it's exactly right. But people think that they have to do something in order to attain, it, even to the point of receiving Jesus. Now, some people believed at the time they believed that they received Jesus. Or you, you understand what I'm saying? So there's a lot of people who are saved that believe they received Jesus. But the reality that's the way they were is taught. they saw something in Jesus that they believed upon mm-hmm. and they obtained the spirit at that time. Right. You see, it, yeah. it's just so, this subtle the, thing. Where the meltdown occurs is in the, the nuances between the Greek and the Hebrew language and the English language. Yeah. Where we take these words that are action words to us <laughs> and we don't realize in the Greek and in the, the Hebrew, especially the ancient languages, they had things called passive action. Passive. Absolutely. And it's a passive action that that Greek word is describing that we translate as receive. Oh, and it does not look like a passive action. Same thing with the word work yeah, in right. James. right? We read that word work and we do not see it as a passive action. right? We don't see it as something that we rest in right? or something that we believe upon, which would be a passive action. We see it as an action we must take right? Mm-hmm. instead of reading it the way that those languages would express it. Hmm. 
right? Mm. And you don't need to understand, you don't need to be a linguistical master to get those things. You know what? You could just know the Spirit of God. That's right. And the Spirit of God will actually reveal all things to you. It's kind of like a shocking thing, right? That the Spirit of God will actually keep you. The Spirit of God will actually keep you, right? It will. In fact, that's why God poured out the Holy Spirit to get it inside of you for the very purpose of keeping you. I don't know Greek and Hebrew. No. You know, I, I, you look at the truth, and the truth defines itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got to be looking at the truth. That's exactly right. That's why we preach the Spirit so much in this church, guys. We're not preaching the Spirit to give you a principle to work. We're preaching the Spirit because it's the Spirit that will keep you. And as we preach that Spirit, you become connected with that Spirit, and that Spirit starts interceding in your hearts in the appropriate times. Right? It isn't your intellect that intercedes. The Spirit will intercede in your heart. Be like, whoa, Kimosabi. Right? A, fr- a friend of ours died about three weeks ago in Virginia. They used to be in our small group um, years ago. And um, her husband posts quite often on Facebook, like pretty much every day. And we followed her journey while she was in ICU for more than a month through his Facebook posts. And um, of course, you know, he was praying for her healing and, and she w- went to be with the Lord. But it's so neat to see his attitude since she passed away because he's not seeing the cup as half empty. He's seeing it as half full and he's not saying, um, instead of saying, we, we could have had 30 more years together and she's going to miss out on seeing all these grandchildren be born because they have 10 children and only five are married. And, and one, one is pregnant now and there's lots more grandbabies that are going to be coming. But instead of saying what she's going to miss out on and what he's going to miss out on, he's always talking about how grateful he is for all the years that they had together. Yeah. And now today's post, um, he's saying if you're hurting like I am, if you know the Savior, he will um, turn that sorrow into joy. In fact, perhaps even more joy than you've ever known before. And I, I'm just so proud of how he's taking, how he's, you know, reacting to her death. Just was always positive and always reaching out to others. He's, he's always saying, if you're hurting like I am, it's okay because. God is with us. God will give us everything that we need, and God will keep us. That when you said He will keep us, it just reminded me of that, and to be able to live above our circumstances. Amen. He's been just a beautiful testimony. It's the world's thinking that comes with all the things you could miss out on. Mm-hmm. I promise you, God will never come and yep. sit next to you yes. and tell you about all the things <laughs> you can miss out on. For all the things that you have missed out on. He'll never come sit next to you and tell you about all the things that have been taken from you. He'll never come and do that. He'll cry with you if you feel lost. And then he'll show you a life that keeps you from missing out. He'll show you a life that uh, gives you the justice that you long for. Mm -hmm. Right? He'll never come and sit next to you and help you to be offended. Right? And I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting the the comments of the conversation but i mean the 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 double-mindedness of all worldly wisdom yeah. 
All worldly wisdom is hypocrisy. And it can't help but be hypocritical. Because it only has hypocrisy in itself. It can only produce hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And so, not to pick on critical race theory any different than any other wisdom in the world, because it's just as demonic as any other wisdom of the world. Right? right? But it's so funny that that the, the dear brother posted about you may be worshiping your whiteness, but the whole critical race theory is worshiping race to begin with. And so do you see the hypocrisy in the statement? It comes and exalts race itself. It's called critical race theory. And then it says if you don't like it, you're worshiping whiteness. Well, the whole thing is worshiping race to begin with. Do you see the hypocrisy? The blatant hypocrisy in the statement. And every worldly wisdom will do that. Whether it's the worldly wisdom you agree with, or not. The worldly <laughs> wisdom you might find that you agree with is also full of hypocrisy. Absolutely. And people get upset when I try and tell them that. Right? When I point it out to them, well, listen, fine, be upset about that. Glory to God. Have your opinions. I have my opinions, but I promise you, the, the, the worldly things that I think are best for this world, they're also filled with hypocrisy. And so are all the people that are involved in that. Right? <laughs> it's just the way that it is. <laughs> That's why we don't look to it. The fruit. Paul says it this way. The fruit that will come forth from the flesh trying to trust, justify itself, when this flesh tries to work to produce what is good, that's what critical race theory is. The flesh mm-hmm. trying to work to produce what is good. He says the fruit that will come forth from this flesh working to try to produce what is good, one of the fruits, he says, hypocrisy. Bitter envying and backbiting. Strife. Right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> and listen, if I'm trying to propagate like uh, conservatism, In the name of Jesus. it is going to breed enmity yep. with a bunch of other people out yep. there. That's right. So if my trying to prognosticate, or, or not prognosticate, but to pontificate, pon- whatever, <laughs> <laughs> communicate that conservatism is the way, breeds hostility from someone yes. else, is it bringing peace to the world? No. Absolutely no. not. No. It has corruption in itself, yes. and it cannot do that. And there'll always be these factions that exist until the Lord returns and makes everything That's right. That's exactly when right. When he makes right. everything right, right. those it things are going We're never going to eliminate it. But they are not the solution to the world. No. And especially, especially if when we pontificate about those things, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. That's when it becomes particularly insidious. Yeah. Yes. That's when it becomes anti-Christ. When you confuse your political ideology with the Lord Jesus. Mm, that's, right. that's when it becomes, that's what hurts my heart the most about what you read. Yeah. Because it's saying those things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Right? There's a treaty that was written back in Germany when Hitler came to power by the German church. And I tell some of my conservative friends this, that we're on the internet hammering about how if we don't stand up and fight for conservatism, it's a godly thing to do it, it's what the church should be doing, and if we don't stand up and do it, we're going to end up like Germany. And if they had stood up and did it, then we wouldn't end like Germany. And they quoted this treaty. So it's been a while since I read the treaty, but I went and pulled up the treaty. And what happened was, is the German church got together, 
after the fact and said, how did we get caught up in this? How did we get caught up in this and how did this happen? Do you know what they said? We confused nationalism with godliness. We confused national pride with godliness. And we left the word made flesh. They said that's how it happened. And so all these people that were declaring how we need to confuse godliness with nationalism to save our nation were at, and saying we can see Germany as an example, they were actually implementing the same system that the German church implemented that ended up in Hitler. <laughs> and so it's, it's fine to, I don't want to say love because we're talking scriptures. It's fine to like your country. Yeah. It's fine to like your flag. It's fine to put the flag up there. It's fine to honor the people that fight. It's fine to honor the families that fight and that suffer. I shed tears for them. I pray for those families all the time. That stuff will rent you in the deepest part of your being. You see that woman whose husband goes off to war and dies, and you see his casket in the funeral home, and you see her sleeping in the funeral home for 72 hours on the floor next to the casket, and it will break your heart. Right? And so you can honor all those people without confusing nationalism with godliness. Right? And you can be a fan of your country. And you can like your constitution without confusing nationalism with godliness. Right. Or thinking it's the power in the godliness. Yeah. The moment you do that, you make the other one the other one. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And it'll always make the other if, one if, the other If godliness one. is found in nationalism, that means godliness is found in this nation and not in that nation. Therefore... We're good if we go wipe them out. <laughs> That's how it gives birth to that. Why do you think it was? They thought it was okay to wipe them out. You don't find the Lord Jesus wiping people out. I hope that makes some sense, right? Don't confuse what I'm saying. Listen, man, I love America. On uh, Veterans Day and on Memorial Day, I've done videos. I see Jesus in those people, right? And that even upsets some people that, that claim pacifism in the name of Jesus. They don't really understand the spirit e either, right? I'm not trying to make an apple-to-apples argument, but what I see is that there's one man named Jesus who laid down his life for me so that I could be delivered from this world. And I see there's a whole lot of other people that laid down their life for me in this world, Right? And I can equate the two. And I can be thankful and honor both. Right? right? Yeah. right. The Lord isn't despising people that are in the army because they have to go fight. He sees that we're in a world where that kind of a thing exists. And he sees we're left in an imperfect situation where these things can go down sometimes. And so I'm going to honor all the families and all the people that laid down their lives so I could have what I have. Right. And so I could live like this. Yep. Right? Yep. Does that make sense? Yes. But by the same token, if someone is not required to love their nation they're in to be a Christian, it's not a requirement. No. If someone's, if someone's in time, they're able to Yeah, yeah, there's not a requirement. requirement. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Oh, everything. How are you doing? You missed it all. I missed it all. I'm sure you're, you're you do not lack. I do 